Welcome to the Web3 Artist Spotlight, the podcast that shines a spotlight on talented artists who are leveraging Web3 technology to sell their art and connect with collectors in new and innovative ways. Through in-depth interviews, we learn more about the artists behind the art and uncover their unique creative processes, inspirations, passions, and the stories behind their captivating artworks. From seasoned professionals to emerging talents, we bring you a diverse range of voices from the Web3 community, and we delve deeper into how blockchain technology, NFTs, and decentralized platforms are revolutionizing the art industry. Jason Sanders, aka Drain Dye, is an artist who explores the balance of light and darkness through his art. He combines his bright color palette and poetic words to skeletons and portraits to create his unique signature style. Jason has an eye for fashion. His stylish merchandise can be purchased directly on his website, where his physical art is also available for sale. He is a healer, a holder of space, and a true listener. He is a father, community builder, and a friend to so many in Web3. And with that, Giancarlo and I welcome Drain Dye to the space. Wow, thank you, Jen. <laughs> Love you. Love you too, my friend. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, welcome. Thank to, uh, welcome. Thanks for being here, uh, Jason. And, and maybe we, we could kick it off. Is um, Why don't we start off with just take like five minutes to tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, your story. And how you came into Web3. Okay. Um, well, uh, my name is Jason. I go by Drain Die online. And um, I'm 46 years old. So I'm, I'm older in body than I am in spirit. I've been around a while. Um, I'm from the Midwest. And currently I'm in uh, Philadelphia, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And, um, you know, I'm living like the best times of my life right now. <laughs> um, I love art. I love making art. Um, I, you know, I've been pursuing being a full-time artist since 2016. So, um, I have always been creative and I've always um brought creativity to the different things that i've tried throughout my life um but at a certain point uh i decided that it made sense for me to pursue creativity as my primary focus and that was like i say around 2016 and um, my life at that point wasn't very creative and so it took a long time to sort of put all the pieces into place and to kind of come up with a game plan and to reconnect myself with the, a practice of creativity and um, to sort of exercise and build those muscles and become comfortable um, living uh, a creative life and thinking of myself as an artist and being an artist and um so i got into web3 and uh nfts um a little over a year ago um i think i minted my first items in february of 20 
22. And um, then I started in March of 2022, just um, dropping new artwork daily. And I had a really amazing experience in NFT NYC um, last summer. And that's where I met Jennifer in person. Jennifer was one of my early collectors. She collected a, a piece from me um, called Without Love, Life Feels Like Just an Existence. And, um, you know, it, it's such a weird thing whenever you first start with NFTs because um, you kind of, I don't know, for me, like, I didn't know anyone in my personal life that was into NFTs. It was all just artists um, from, from online. Um, I was influenced um, by uh, Eddie Gangland to give the space a try. Um, he and I, you know, knew each other from Instagram for several years before I moved over. I saw him sort of disappear from Instagram and then he would check back in and update us on how well he was doing. And after a year of him doing that and um, having sort of a, a not great year with my own efforts outside of NFTs to raise my profile, to be closer to my goal of making a living off of my art and work and my creativity, I decided to give it a try, you know? And um, I'm thankful that Eddie was an inspiration like that to me and so many of us. Uh, I know I'm not the only one. And um, yeah, so that's sort of how I arrived here. And I was looking at my my uh, OpenSea and it looked like, I think I minted about 360 works, I think, in the last 12 months. That's just NFTs. And I've created lots of physical works that, I didn't mint. Um, let's see. Um, in in NFTs, I've been focusing on skulls. Where before, I really liked doing uh, portraits, but I kind of recognized that it was sort of a, a judgment call for me. Like I didn't want to do portrait NFTs without having subjects that uh, would sign on. You know. And so a lot of the, the portraits that I did were of higher profile people that um, inspired me, but that I didn't know or have a close relationship with. I wasn't in a position to get them to say, yeah, let's do an NFT together. So I decided to do skulls. That's how I ended up doing skulls. And I, I had done skulls before, but it's been my focus for the past year. And it's been a really rewarding year artistically and creative, creatively and just kind of focusing on that subject matter. Uh, that's awesome. And it's so cool to, um, you know, to hear that, like, you're, you know, folks like Eddie, you know, helped inspire you to to kind of, like, jump into the Web3 space and, and, and you know, mit works through NFTs. And yeah. uh, you've been now doing it for, you know, like, uh, over a year now, pretty much, right? That's That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a really fun year. And... You know, uh, coming from Instagram, I think, you know, from 2016 to 2000, um, to the beginning of 2022, I guess 2021, I, you know, I only sold like a handful of paintings and, you know, I may have gained 
five or six collectors, you know, of my physical works. And um, I just checked and I have, I just made my CSV a couple weeks ago. I have 171 collectors now. My wallet or my works are in 171 different wallets. So that feels like super rewarding to just have that many people even aware of what I'm doing, you know, let alone, um, you know, holding some of my, my artwork. Yeah, that's amazing, man. That's awesome. And, and it just shows like how game changing this space is for artists, right? Because with your physical stuff, you know, you're, you're, I feel like it's just, it's, it's kind of limiting, you know, to like the, the, um, the audience and the collectors you can reach, right? But like with Web3, I mean, you, you can pretty much tap into a global market, right? And, and, and this is just kind of, is just starting and beginning to like scratch the surface because I'm sure there's so many, you know, art collectors and people out there mm-hmm. that aren't even aware of this, right? Or haven't even maybe decided to enter because they maybe don't understand the technology or, or even how to go about doing it, you know? But right. I think when we hit that like point where, you know, it really, you know, really takes hold of a lot of people that, you know, appreciate love and, and want to collect art and see like all the advantages to doing it with the technology, man, that's going to be game changing for sure. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's really exciting to have a community that is really appreciative of artists and uh, of creativity. And, you know, it's weird because it doesn't seem like a huge jump, but it, it. I think psychologically there's a big jump between liking an image and being willing to pay for an artwork or wanting to own that and display it. You know, and I think uh, this community sort of, I don't know, it just curates those kinds of people that really appreciate um, artwork and that really connect with it. And where, you know, especially people who are making um, artwork based on uh, their own values and trying to connect people around the greater good. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunity um, to to find your tribe um, around NFTs and NFT communities and collectors. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, man, for sure. Uh, so, one thing I'm kind of curious about, and I was wondering if you, I, I thought if you were going to hit on it or not, but like, um, why did you decide on the name Drain Die? <laughs> Is there something significance behind it, or? Well, I mean. It's kind of a lame story about the actual name <laughs> Dre Die, but um, you know, it, it the genesis of that was me uh, getting onto Instagram. I wasn't an early adopter of Instagram. I was kind of late to the game with getting onto Instagram in 2016, and I was looking for a um, username, you know, um, but even in the that early uh, that you know very beginning you know i decided that i didn't want to use my name as an artist um i sort of had this loose vision of creating something bigger than myself hopefully um something that um you know um like i'm inspired by Shepherd Fairy and the Obey Giant brand and 
um, how art and fashion can come together and sort of alter consciousness, raise questions, and create a community of people who sort of have a different view of the world based on their aesthetic appreciation of things. So um, I didn't know how to do it, but I knew that ideally I would like to have a brand that was bigger than just my name, you know, where I could curate different artists under an umbrella, potentially. That's one of my goals that I could make um, a brand based on values and something that could, you know, sort of be a, a bright spot for people because it just seems like there's a lot of uh, negative, depressing things, you know, with um, not to, I'm not trying to get political, but like algorithms, everything like that, they seem to focus on, it's very easy to manipulate our worst instincts as humans. It seems like that's kind of um, like low-hanging fruit for attention. And uh, I would much rather try to curate things that inspire and, and, and put us in touch with our, our uh, better instincts. And so that's why I was looking for something other than me. So, I mean... The exact story is that I typed in trained eye, not <laughs> so thank God that was taken. And uh, I started thinking, you know, uh, I am a very visual person, so I wanted something around eye. And I started thinking about um, sort of how everything passes through our eyes and how we experience, or at least. I say we, me, I experience everything very visually and it's almost like the world is a vortex, you know, or, or I, my experience of the world is like a vortex of everything around me gets sucked past my optical nerve and interpreted in that way. So I thought about Dream Die and that was open and I checked and the website was available and it was nothing that was taken on you know, other um, social media at the time. So I was like, I'm going to take Drain Die. And so that's how I ended up with that. That's cool, man. That's interesting. It's very funny that you like for Train Die first. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I mean, that's like total boomer name. Somebody beat me that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic, man. But yeah. no, and that, and that, it's cool that um, that you were thinking kind of bigger than yourself, right? That like you wanted to make it kind of a brand and almost have like a collective of artists that can 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 you know create stuff under that. And and I love what you said about you know, trying to focus and make, um, you know, more of the positive positivity side of things louder. Right. Cause I think that's definitely something I've, you know, I, I've seen a lot. Yeah. Like with social media and what kind of gets, you know, um, the most like attention and traction, you know, and, and mm -hmm. a lot of times it's really the, the negative messages, the FUD, you know, like, the, you know, those kind of things that really get pushed more, you know? So right. I think it's important for us to, to make the um, you know kind of positive side of things uh, you know louder, right, and 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 try to emphasize that more in, in our society, right, and than than a lot of the things that do get pushed, you know, the negative news and 
and all that. So, so man, I pr- appreciate that. That's something that you, that you're intentional and mindful about. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, I feel like a lot of people, you know, I'm not the only one. It seems like a lot of people on NFT Twitter have a very similar outlook. And I, you know, I think that's why so many of us are optimistic about the space and about NFTs and about how artwork can change the world, you know? Yeah, man, a hundred percent. I agree. And that's one thing I love about it. I love, I love like my feeds here, you know, and like a lot of what I see, I see people sharing amazing art, being supportive, like, you know, Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'd rather like tune into this than the news, to be honest. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, I feel better, you know, like it just, it, it, it like lifts up my spirits and yeah, I mean, that's what I want to be surrounded by, you know, not, yeah. uh, not some of the stuff we, we may see or encounter in the news. So that's, that's awesome. And, um, so the, the next thing I kind of want to ask you as well, and, um, you kind of touched a little bit on it, but was kind of curious if you could talk a little bit more about like what inspires you to create your art and has kind of like influenced your style. And I know a big part of your style and, and what you do is, is the skulls as well. So maybe if you could talk a little bit about your, your inspirations and how your styles evolved. Yeah. Um, well, I think one thing that sort of carries through even between my, all of my artwork all of it that I've created since, you know, 2017 or so is, um, I don't, I don't like laying out blocks of color. I haven't been doing that. I've been allowing elements, um, to show through in all of my artwork. I start from the back and I paint forward. I know a lot of times people will, um, artists will paint uh, their subject and then fill in the background around it. Uh, that's not my process. I start with a background and then paint on top of it. And I always like elements of the background coming through. Um, to me, that references transparency. Um, and that's something that's just very important to me is transparency. I don't know if it's because at certain periods of my life, I've felt like not able to read situations. And I've really wished that people would be just more honest about their intentions or, you know, I, I just found myself on, on the wrong side of situations where I was like, wow, you know, I really was blindsided by that. I didn't see that coming. And I really wish this person would have been more transparent. Um, So that's sort of an idealistic thing that I have is I I wish that we could all be more transparent, that we could all be brave enough to um, show the parts of us that, you know, influence our decisions and influence who we are. And even those dark parts, you know, I feel like so many times we have um, kind of a social pressure to present only the best parts of us, only the brightest and most attractive. And then by default, that means that we have to kind of suppress those uh, areas that are problematic or painful Um, maybe those, um, parts of us are 
based on some past trauma, but in suppressing them, you know, it's like that never really goes away. That sticks with us. And personally, I've seen it, you know, just really um, kind of just come back in really ugly ways because it, it was never able to be dealt with. It's, it's by suppressing a part of us, it seems like that never makes it less or it never makes it go away. It just kind of festers under the surface and it can become even harder and harder to deal with as time goes on. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's an element that is really important to me in my artwork is the transparency. And then with, um, with skulls, um, you know, like it was funny whenever I was doing the skull interview with you, uh, Giancarlo, you were telling me how your kids are really into scary stuff, your wife, not so much that they, you know, your kids are probably going to think the skull is really cool and your wife may think it's creepy. Um, and I've, I've encountered that a lot where people, um, identify skulls and skeletal elements as closely associated with death. Um, and I totally get that. For me, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like um, like a skull is sort of a, a physical foundation for us. You know, we all have a skull. <laughs> it, uh, it houses our intellect and basically all of us, you know, uh, we are what is inside of our skull. Um, and it's also like a physical legacy. You know, after we're gone, uh, we won't be here, but that skull will be around for a long time. So um, it's, for me, it's like a foundation. It's like what we're built on. Um, and it represents, you know, there's nothing that, that is a better shorthand for humanity than human skull. Like that is instantly recognizable as human. And, um, you know, it, it takes a trained scientist to, to look at a skull and see what uh, type of a person uh, that skull came from. You know, like whenever I look at a skull, I can't tell if that person was Asian or Latino or African-American or white, I just see a skull. I just see like, wow, a human, this was a human. So in my mind, the skulls are something that unite us. It's like a commonality that we all have. And, um, then there's also an element, you know, I have an orthopedic condition, um, a bone condition called multiple hereditary exostoses that um, me and my children have that. And it creates like bone tumors along growth plates. So I, you know, I've seen just loads of x-rays, loads of MRI images, um, skeletal elements, skulls, bones. Those are things that are just kind of top of mind for my experience and my family's experience. So in that way, it feels much more comfortable to me than maybe the average person, you know?
Yeah, no, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. That like be, being exposed to it so much, you know, it's it's um, you're you're just very comfortable with it. And I, I love what you talked about too, you know, because I think it's it's kind of cool that um, I mean, so many things, but like that, uh, you know, when we look at the the, the human skulls, right? Like then it, it's kind of like um, like you said, you can't really distinguish, you know, race or other things, right? It's just all you know, just, just human skulls. Right. And, and it's something that is, you know, it's common to all of us. Right. Um, yeah. so that, that's, that's pretty cool, you know, kind of way to, to look at it. And, um, it's interesting also, like in some cultures, you know, like, like, uh, it's just thinking about like that movie Coco <laughs> with the right one, you know, but like, yeah, those muertos <laughs> and all that, you know, like they, they, they celebrate a lot that of, of the, of the skulls and it's a big part of like the, the art and everything that, that goes along with the celebration. Right. So, yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty cool yeah thank you and uh i love what you talked about the the transparency and when you mentioned like how you create your your work um starting out with like the background and and then painting forward and then like introducing the the main subject and letting some of the you know some of the background kind of and i, I noticed that when you're creating the skull and the, and the live stream as well that you kind of started like writing out all the words and all that and that all created that that background and, and kind of like layered it on top, you know, that that's, that's such a cool thing. Cause you're right. Like myself and I know a lot of other artists really start with the subject and then kind of fill in, you know, fill in the background. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool. And, and what you mentioned also about, um, you know, the, the thing with like social media, I think that's such an important point. Like, you know, that people a lot of times um, feel this pressure, right. To, or maybe not just pressure, but like, this is just people just tend to share the the highlight reels and the positives and and they feel like well you can only talk about the good stuff right and and but right. there's so many things that you know that that are that are happening in our lives like difficult things challenges trauma you know and and it's important i think sometimes to be able to to hear that side of things. That's even why, you know, in our, in our interview, I, I, I was like, let me go there. You know, like I, I talked about some of the challenges we're having right now with my son and struggles I was having with our daughter, you know, because that's a big part of, of my life and challenges that, that we're going through. You know, I, I think it's right. important for people to, to hear that and know that like, not everything is always is great, you know, and, and there are hard things and struggles we go through so that they can know that they're not maybe the only person that's going through, because you can look you can go on social media and all you see is stuff about people, um, you know, just being like, uh, you know, on vacation or showing their the latest thing that they bought or whatever, you know. And then meanwhile, maybe that person is going through like depression or a really hard time. And it can feel very lonely and difficult, you know, to be feeling like you're the maybe the only person going through that. So when yeah. I have encountered people in this space or in other platforms that are that are vulnerable and brave enough to like share some of those difficult things and challenges, I, I, man, I commend them for that. I appreciate that because I think it's so important. You know, I think it's important to make people realize that like, you know, you're not the only one struggling. You're not the only one going through a hard time. And there are other people that, that, um, you know, that, that you're not alone in it. Right. And, and, and we all have our own struggles and, you know, th traumas or things that we're dealing with. And, and it's important to deal with them. And I, you mentioned that too, right? That like, we can't just bury it all underneath because, you know, that those things are still there. And it's important that we process them, we understand them, and and we can try to heal from them as well. So, man, right. I, I, I appreciate a lot of that, man. That's it's, it's such an important message, I think, you know, and, and especially in, in this day and age where, 
people just have a tendency to, you know, just again, just want to share all the good, you know, but not, uh, not, not some of those things as well. Well, there's so much, you know, I don't know, like the human experience is very complex, <laughs> you know, and I feel like in talking with people and in doing these skull interviews, it becomes like really obvious to me that how important it is for people to feel seen and, um, you know, and to be known, to feel known. And it's such an interesting dichotomy where we all crave that, but then we also, you know, have these fears about just being honest and, and showing uh, ourselves as the complete complex people that we are, you know, and the, the good and the bad. And, you know, how can you, how can you, actually feel seen if you're hiding a part of yourself, you know? Um, and so those are like the themes that I think about a lot, you know, how can you, um, um, show, how can you love yourself if you're hiding yourself? <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, so can you repeat that line one more time? Because I think that's, that's a how, beautiful and powerful line. <laughs> yeah, how can you love yourself if you're hiding yourself? You know, if you're if you're hiding a part of you, you're subconsciously telling yourself that that part of you is unworthy or it's not good enough. And you know that, like, so much of the psychological pain that we experience is self-inflicted, not intentionally. You know, we're all doing the best that we can, and we have certain behaviors modeled for us and um you know we just we're just trying we're all just trying to get through and do our best but sometimes some of these things that we kind of accept as the way of coping end up being problematic in different ways you know so um, I had a question for you, Jason, um, about the skull interviews. Like, how did that idea come to you? Like, how did that happen? Well, um, yeah, thanks for asking that. I It was a couple months before NFT NYC last year. And um, I, you know, I, I guess VCon had already happened. So I, I had never been to an NFT event before nft nyc and i uh, wasn't able to go to vcon but i was intently watching what my peers were doing other artists that i really admire and respect were doing uh, when they went i saw eddie uh go to vcon and he was doing like eddie gangland he was doing like little uh skull artwork for people and i saw you know gabe weiss was doing his stoics thing i didn't even understand like how that was all going to come together later you know that was so early but um i saw that it was a cool way to kind of connect by connecting through artwork uh, and physical artwork instead of just digital artwork and so i started thinking about what i wanted to do and i'm kind of my <laughs> i kind of just am extra about everything so i was like you know what i'm gonna do something 
instead of doing something little, I'm going to do something like 11 by 14. I'm going to, and instead of doing like just a black and white, I'm going to do color. And I had an idea of painting skulls for people. And I didn't really have a lot of um, ideas other than that. But, you know, in releasing um, new artwork every day as I was doing at that period, um, you know, like you mentioned, Jen, words are a very important uh, part of my practice and something that I haven't really talked about yet. But um, I like to put intention in my artwork and um, I've never shied away from using words and kind of just spelling out what I'm thinking for people uh, in different ways, you know. Uh, in my portraits, I did something called defining auras where I would paint someone, create an aura line around them, and then try to distill that person down into a word or a short phrase and repeat that phrase and lettering around the aura line. And that was kind of the start of me really using words prominently in my artwork. And as that went on, you know, the words became like a way for me to kind of charge the artwork with intention, with a message. Uh, sometimes they're real obvious sometimes less so like in the case of the the skull interviews like the one i did for Giancarlo right before we came on here that you posted up in the nest you know once you see that skull you might have to really look at that to figure out all of the words that i used for the background but they're there and they mean something to me and i put energy into that um and so i think you know, somewhere between me deciding to paint skulls at NFT NYC and me releasing new artwork every day, I I use some words as backgrounds um, in some of my art pieces, and um, I really like the way that felt. And um, I didn't really associate that with what I was going to do. Uh, in advance, but whenever I arrived at NFT NYC, the first event I went to was uh, NFT VIP, and um, yeah, there was I don't know there. It, I went with my friend. Um, there was like a a champagne and caviar brunch or something up on the thirty eighth floor, and we went up there, and it was it was sort of like. There were less people around, and there was some space for me to set up and start painting, and I decided that I wanted to do my first one there. And so I'm like, my friend Mark, Mark the Artisan, you should check him out on Instagram. Uh, he's an amazing artist. He got me tickets to that event and brought me there and allowed me to stay in his studio for NFT NYC, and he's doing the same thing this year. Um, so give him a follow. But... Um, I was like, Mark, I think I want to start painting. How about I paint this first skull for you? And we'll just kind of go from there. And my style, my artistic style on that one was just sort of like a chaotic background. I do that a lot with markers and 
I didn't use any words at all in that painting. I just wanted to paint him a skull. And I remember it was, you know, we were up at this rooftop. I don't know if it was rooftop, but it was definitely like an indoor outdoor bar. And it was just a beautiful day, sunshiny in New York. And the piece was like that. It was like blue shadows and bright orange and yellow highlights and um as i was painting that for him you know he was hyping me up to people around me like check this out check this out he's painting me a skull you know he'll paint one for you too and um so he got this little line going for me and uh the next person that i painted you know i wanted to get to know them so i started just talking to them and um gradually like i wanted to include elements of them in the piece that was my intention so the first couple were very loose maybe one word or maybe something visual you know i remember i did one uh where the the lady was i would ask people um those first interviews i would ask them what word resonates with them so i would do like one word i remember one uh my friend adrian we're friends now she was a stranger then i asked her that question she said connecting and i was like well there's like i didn't have enough space to actually write out connecting across the page so and on that one i drew a chain and it was interesting because she ended up being a jeweler. I didn't know that. And she showed me the chain around her neck that she made. And it looked like the one that I put on the painting. I had a bunch of very um, sort of spirit-led experiences. But after doing maybe five or six, I sort of started feeling the inspiration. And sometimes I would use words from the conversation that we that I had with my subject, and then sometimes I would be writing down words, and a word would just occur to me, and I would include that. And it was interesting that those words often had significance. Um, and so that over I don't know five or so, the first five or so, I kind of it kind of gelled into a formula for how this is supposed to go. And that really hasn't changed. It's it's the same. And uh, like for John Carlo, uh, our conversation. If you guys get a chance to watch it, you know he uh, shared with me a lot about his family and his children and some of the things that they're going through and and concerns. And so, um, family was just like very bold in my mind. And then he was also talking about uh, Disney and experiencing things and the experience of, of being a child, like feeling like a child again with his children. And uh, inner child came to me. So that was the second thing that I put. And uh, then I, I just used their names because I felt like that, you know, that always kind of binds it together. Um, so I used their names in the piece. And, you know, everyone is different, but that's how that one was. Um, I, I remember having an experience, like the, the experience that I had last year at, at NFT NYC, where I knew that I was doing the right thing. It was like the second day 
Um, and I, I had someone sit down. I was sort of at this uh, V Friends breakfast, and I had set up at a table, and several people I had done interviews with, and then I had this lady sit down, and I said what I had kind of gotten used to saying, like, yeah, tell me what's going on in your life. You know, it could be good or bad. Um, I'm just here to hold space. You know, don't be afraid to go deep with me if you want. Tell me what you're vibing with. And um, this woman, Kathy, started talking to me about her daughter, Lucy, who was missing. And she wanted me to create a skull for Lucy. And in that moment, that felt so heavy emotionally because she was telling me, you know, I at that point, I didn't know the whole story of Lucy. I didn't know how long she had been missing. I was scared, like, what is the outcome of this, you know? Um, and those fears of associating skulls with death and having um, a dark energy. Like I, I didn't want any of that in this piece. And Kathy was telling me about the website that she maintains for her daughter, which is her daughter's name.com and the blog posts that she does, everything that she does that makes her think about her daughter. She writes about that. Um, on her birthday, you know, she's like, Lucy, I really miss you. This is the cake we made for your birthday. And I got balloons and, you know, and this is so that if Lucy ever searches her name or if any of her friends, uh, search her name, they will find this website. And, uh, Kathy's also telling me about all of the, you know, the intense, therapy that she's doing so that when she reconnects with Lucy, that she will be, that she will have the strength to carry that relationship and that Lucy can rely on her as opposed to them both going through something tumultuous together and they're not being an anchor. Like Kathy is just such a strong, incredible person. And so I start painting this skull and there's just all kinds, there's just this, such an intense emotion. I felt emotionally like one of those meteorologists on the beach in the hurricane. I just felt like everything battering me. And I was sort of crying through the process. And um, I, it's weird, like I started accidentally writing things upside down. Um, you know, which just like weird things were happening in the process. Um, but I created this beautiful skull and I put all of my positive intention into it. And it came out looking smiley. <laughs> and um, Kathy was just thrilled with it. And I was so relieved. And I felt like in that moment we had really bonded and that the universe had sent me a message that I was, you know, on the right path and I was doing things the right way. And I was really called to do this. And so, yeah, at that point I was like, okay, you know, I feel like I've always felt like this is what I'm supposed to do, but like, I feel like I just got that reinforcement. Like, yeah, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. So 
Um, I forget the exact question. I've been, I feel no. like I've been talking forever, no. but <laughs> no, it's a, a great answer. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I was thinking about how on your bio, you say transforming pain into art. And I felt like, as you were explaining that, that is just, it right there, like that experience that you had, you transformed what is just a crippling and sad and terrible situation to happen to a parent into a beautiful piece of artwork. And you were the conduit for that experience. And um, you were able to make her this beautiful piece of art that I'm sure she will cherish forever. And you will always cherish that moment. Um, yeah. And Lucy, and Lucy is okay. Like she's gotten different um reports back that lucy you know was here or there okay. it's just so i was so relieved to find that out <laughs> later in the process and i was too scared in the moment to ask right but lucy is okay lucy is an adult and i'm praying that lucy and kathy you know are reunited yeah. soon yeah me too absolutely yeah. i'm yeah and um you weren't talking too much. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, I really liked how you said how, like, it was different. This skull was different. You started writing the words upside down. And it just feels like you were such in a flow state at that point that it just had to happen the way that it happened. And then the end result was just this magnificent um, piece of art. I did want to ask you about the art collections. Um, mm -hmm. I noticed that you, you mentioned quite a big number. Can you tell us about all of the NFT collections that are currently available? Where would a collector find them? Um, just in case anybody's interested in the audience. Yeah. Um, well, I, on OpenSea and, uh, I guess that is where you'll find the majority of my work up until this point. Whenever I first started minting, I was minting through OpenSea, through their lazy contract. And I still have some unsold works that were minted in that way. Um, after NFT NYC and at about the 100 mark, um, I switched over to Manifold. And I've been dropping on Manifold uh, up until recently. So everything that, that I dropped through Manifold, I was able to combine those collections on OpenSea. So it's, it's called the Drain Die Collection. And I think I'm in that, in that collection. There's 284 pieces. Um, I also have a collection from NFT NYC 2022 that houses all of the skull interviews that I did and some pieces that I made just as rewards for my collectors based on the inspiration that I had in New York at that time. Um, and I forget how many, there, there's 30 some odd pieces in that collection. Um, I also have this uh, little collection called um, Winky Cat, which is like a black and white line drawing. Um, those were largely rewards for collectors. Um, and it's kind of like a little undiscovered collection that I have. I have a Drain Dice Family album, which I probably should delete and remint those because none of them have 
sold and I haven't really tried to sell them, but it's much more personal work like self portraits and works about my kids and stuff like that. I also have like, um, uh, like a cowboy themed collection that has a few Western NFTs in it. Um, so that's what's on OpenSea. And then recently I got uh, approved to mint on Known Origin, which was very exciting. And um, I have a, quite a bit of work on there already where I started with um, some abstract pieces because I actually used abstract pieces in the application process. Um, it, was, it took me two times to get approved. The first time I submitted uh, pieces, artwork of skulls, and they said no. So I figured I'd give them something different. And I uh, submitted abstract pieces, and they approved me. So um, I I have abstract pieces on known origin. The formula that I have there is I do like uh, four black and white abstracts, and then... Uh, every five uh, drops, I, I do a full color abstract. And my goal, I, you know, it's very hard being an artist that wants to be like just constantly busy. I'm very driven to be constantly creating work. And um, I'm sort of conflicted about it because I've gotten different advice from people and i think the the overall um spaces you know changed since the time that i've been in here and um so like on on open i drop on open and i don't worry what sells and what doesn't sell and i just drop and drop and drop and it's more of like and i haven't been doing it as much because i also have been doing uh, known origin recently, but those pieces, there's a lot of work that's available. Um, it's also, there's a lot of work that's sold. I've sold seven ETH in that collection, so it's not just sitting there. Um, but there's, you know, when you factor in the individual uh, pieces that are additions, I think there's like 1,100 pieces in that collection if you count all of the individual additions and stuff like that. So there's work that's available there, but since I have that approach for OpenSea, I decided for Known Origin to really try to keep uh, the availability limited and make it um, maybe more possibly more desirable for collectors, knowing that it's sold out, that there's not a lot of opportunity to get those pieces, and um, so. You know, if something doesn't sell in a certain period of time, I usually burn it and go from there. Like uh, the last black and white drop that I did, I, uh, one of those got placed, but there were two more available and they sit for a couple of weeks, so I burned those. So the person that got that uh, individual black and white uh, abstract piece now has a one-on-one -one piece, which is kind of amazing. And... Um, the same thing with, let's see, I'm kind of all over the place. I'm sorry. 
I started out talking no, about, I started out <laughs> talking about like uh, what's where. Also, unknown origin. I have um, this. Um, I have a, a a beautiful nude figure, um, which is uh, hopefully the first in a series. I'm waiting for it to sell before I release any more. But that collection is called Muse Eam. Um, and it's very much like Matisse vibes. Uh, hopefully you can check that out. Whenever I post about it on Twitter, I always post a censored version so that I don't get my uh, account slapped or, you know, end up uh, shadow banned or whatever. Um, and then, let's see, I have uh, this new collection called um, Skeletal, uh, which is... Uh, so far, they're all hand-painted pieces, and instead of just being the skulls, they're, they include more skeletal elements, and they also include the original artwork. So they're one-of-ones, and um, yeah, they're just, it's really fun. I just dropped a new one um, this morning in advance of the space, um, and I think he could find that um, you know, yeah. Yep, I found it. All hours are golden. Yeah, all hours are golden. So these are these are fun because it's a lot of times it's like leftover material um, as far as what's in my palette, and I I use uh, paper for these, and um, I don't know. I just really enjoy kind of. I've been on a kick in the past two or three months of, of just using a lot of um, creating less um, digitally and more physically. And these have been, you know, just a lot of fun for me to make. So, yeah, I have so much work. And, um, <laughs> you know, I've been told that it might make sense for me to focus. Uh, <laughs> but... I just can't do it. I'm sorry, you guys. I just have to release what feels right. And um, it also, you know, I'm not even releasing everything. That's the funny part. Uh, I have physical work that I would like to sell individually and then make a one-on-one NFT for whoever buys those paintings. There's some really awesome grail pieces. Um yeah, so not everything is minted. You kind of have to keep an eye on my uh, Twitter feed to see, you know, if you're into collecting physical pieces to see what I come up with. I'm painting a lot more physically recently. And um, I don't know, I just feel like I need to do as much as I can. Uh, I mentioned that I have this bone disease and having that just gives me um, sort of like a lot of anxiety. I don't, you know, I'm like, I feel like at any moment something could happen and it could change my ability to create, I think is what it comes down to. And I don't think if that happened, I would be forced to stop creating, but I definitely could potentially be forced to change how I create. And so it's very important to me to kind of crank out as much work as I can while I can do it. Um, and this experience has been sort of highlighted recently with my daughter, who 
had some bone tumors in her arm that had to be taken out. And then uh, after they were taken out, um, we discovered that her elbow was unstable. And anytime she would turn her hand, her elbow would pop out of socket. And so uh, another surgery had to be scheduled and uh, they, they did CAT scans on both elbows, created a jig off of her good elbow to kind of correct the bad one. We had that surgery and so far that hasn't stuck. So there's more surgeries in her future and her arm is, it's her dominant arm and it's in a, you know, a brace right now that sort of really limits its, its movement. And I'm having pain in my arm. I don't know if it's like psychosomatic. I have a doctor's appointment. So it's, it's like all of these things that just sort of uh, are my experience where I'm like, I need to create. And, and in creating, I need to share what I'm making. And I hope people understand that. And I'm so sorry to hear that about your daughter. And yeah, maybe it's also sympathy pain that <laughs> you said it like this. Yeah, we're going to get it checked um, out. <laughs> we'll get a checked out. But yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's, we also sort of starting late, you know, I feel like a little bit of the clock, you know, starting uh, at 40, um, you know, it's like, I wish I could get some of those years back. And since I can, I'm going to paint, make, and do as much as I can now. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's awesome. And, you know, and it's funny because, yeah, there's all these different opinions about stuff and like, oh, make your art more exclusive or whatever, you know, but, you know, it's like, I don't know, you know, like if you love to create art and you want to share it with the world, man, it's like, just do it, you know? Like, right, <laughs> right. Um, and, and especially like you said, I mean, yeah, if you, you know, you don't know what your, your health is going to be like, or if you'll be physically able to do it later. And it's like, man, you know, just, just, just release it and do it. And, you know, and I think, and, and it's commendable that, um, you know, on OpenSea, man, you've, you've, you know, you've released the, what do you say, like about 360 works over, you know, like 1100 total pieces. Uh, I mean, that's, that's awesome. And, 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 and a lot of them have sold as well too. And I think one thing too, that I've noticed is like, um, cause I tend to feel like, you know, people will, will release a lot of art, like people, especially that I see artists that like release a lot of stuff, like maybe some pieces might not, like people might like them or might resonate with some people, but not enough for like someone to like want to like collect it, you know, but then later on they'll drop one and that one sells, you know? And, and so sometimes it's almost like you have to probably like keep creating and keep putting stuff out there and, you know, and eventually some of those will, will resonate with a, a collector, right? And so, but if you kind of just keep yourself limited, you know, and, and, and don't put out stuff, you may not know, you, you may not reach some other collectors if you hadn't just gone for it and, and, and put that out there as well, right? So, yeah, it's hard to know what the formula is. Like, if anybody tells you they know, I mean, try it out, but uh, everyone's formula doesn't work for everyone else, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, but you know, forget the formula <laughs> and just do what, what, right. what you love and what you feel like you'd want to do. Right. You know? And I don't know. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm, the way I'm seeing it too. Definitely. But, um, you know, I think everybody should just do what, what, they, what, what comes to them, right. And what they feel like they would like. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man, you got a lot of really beautiful, like awesome pieces out there. Um, so man, definitely love the artwork. Love, love the, this piece you did with the, uh, with the cast, uh, you know, the, the, the thing for your daughter, man. It's such, uh, such a cool little 
Thank you. As well. Yeah. So if you see something on, you know, uh, well, known origin is different because it the listings don't expire. But if you see something on OpenSea that you like, feel free to reach out to me. You know, uh, make an offer. Reach out to me on Twitter. Um, and, um, I, you know, I would love to talk to you about any of the pieces, anyone that's listening, uh, live or later in the space. So thanks for allowing me to talk about that. Cool. So I, I did want to, I wanted to ask you about something else mm-hmm. actually, which is this, this kind of caught my eye a little bit. Um, so in your profile, your Twitter like name, it says, Drain Die Jumps Snake River Canyon. <laughs> and so I was like, what? And so I was, I'm like, I, I looked it up, you know, and then I saw like some history about Snake River Canyon and like, what is it? Evil Knievel had tried it. And then, uh, what is it? Thunman Eddie, Eddie Braun successfully jumped the canyon. So I wanted maybe if you could share a little more context on that. Like, are you planning to to follow in the footsteps of uh, of Eddie Braun and, and, and jump over the canyon? Or what, what's up with that? Meta- Metaphorically, yes. <laughs> Artistically, definitely. Um, not on a motorcycle or any motorized vehicle. But, uh, you know, sometimes, I don't know, like whenever, whenever I first had an idea of being a full-time artist, it felt like such a faraway dream. Uh, something, you know, that was barely achievable like i could i didn't at that point whenever i decided i wanted to do it i didn't even have like any kind of an idea of how to do it (laughs) you know what i mean it was just Mm -hmm. it was just like a goal um and you know as time has gone on especially in this past year i feel closer than ever and um you know i i feel like that's kind of a metaphor jumping snake river canyon like an impossible you know stunt but something that can be done that was done you know uh and you know it it might be a beautiful disaster too but i'm gonna give it my all (laughs) you know uh at least try and make the jump and see what happens right rev it up and go and uh it's just sort of a metaphor something funny something that i tell myself you know like whenever it seems hard uh like those kinds of things are what pop into my head and what i use to kind of motivate myself Oh, I love that, man. It's such a beautiful metaphor, you know, and, and like something that seems like so impossible, but yet, you know, it's been done, you know, right. yeah, it's, that's so cool. Cool <laughs> way to look at it. Um, so one other thing I was doing as well was um, kind of went through like some of your Instagram uh, page and, and looked at some of the artwork and stuff you had shared on there. Uh, I noticed that a lot of the the videos and things you had on there were set to like hip hop tracks, um, you know, so I was kind of curious if you could share with us what are some of your uh, top three, you know, favorite hip hop uh, songs. Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, or just share a few. I have a, few. a great ear for bangers, but uh-huh. I have I don't know anything about hip hop. Unfortunately, I'm I didn't really come up in hip hop culture and the way that a lot of people have. Um, so I mentioned earlier in the interview, I'm from the Midwest and uh, the closest we had to hip hop uh, whenever I was coming up was like the R&B stations. You know, it's amazing mm-hmm. how many R&B songs I know. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, as far as like hip hop, um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just have a good no, ear. It's for, all good. Man. I have a good it's, ear for the bangers. I mean, my the the music that I listen to. Um, whenever I'm controlling the radio station, I listen to a lot of like indie. Uh, rock and like I call it lesbian music. I'm there's something about <laughs> lesbian music that just really uh, vibes with my soul. But I simultaneously have the streetwear brand Drain Eye, and I love to dance. And um, so I appreciate hip hop, but I'm not any kind of hip hop head. To be honest, I don't want to front and pretend like I'm something I'm not. So I use those tracks because, like, they're just up. Sound good. They sound good. <laughs> yeah. They're upbeat. They deliver my energy, you know. Um, but if I and if I if I played the songs that I wanted to, I feel like I would be catering to a much older audience that wouldn't like my track suits and my hoodies and my t-shirts, you know, with the, <laughs> with the eighties new wave music and stuff that yeah. I would pick out. So, yeah. That's hilarious. Now, I have a very eclectic taste of music, you know, so <laughs> I, I could probably jam to some of your other stuff as well. <laughs> um, but you know, what's funny when you were talking, when you were introducing yourself, um, the song that came to my head was West Philadelphia, born and raised <laughs> on the playgrounds where I <laughs> most <laughs> Fresh Prince, let's go. The Fresh Prince, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the track was just playing in my head. I'm like, oh, that's funny. You know? but, West, uh, that's great, man. West Philly is the best Philly. You know, if anybody is from Philly, West Philly is weird and wonderful. And check it out. A little bit out of the way for me, but I love going there. I enjoy it too. I was actually, so I was um, brought up in New York, but I was born in Philadelphia and I saw a family over there and I enjoy going. It's, it's a really cool vibe. Um, and I actually really enjoy eighties, new wave, synth pop, like all of that. Like I bang to Duran Duran all the time. So, awesome. No shame in the game. No, no shame. No shame. Yeah. My, my mom used to used to like you know play those songs too when I was growing up. So I, I grew up around that music. So I, I have such an eclectic taste because I grew up with a lot of like Latin music, uh, like dance music. I mean, just just all sorts of stuff, you know. So yeah, I, I, I could I can vibe and jam to like pretty much almost anything. And I feel like the the eighties. I don't know that vibe is kind of resurgent right now. Like there's bands that are bringing that that synth wave experience back. So it's fun. It definitely is. And um, you touched on it a bit, but maybe you could speak a little bit more about this, um, which is the urban streetwear that you have available for sale. Yeah, you have an an eye for design you know that i love your clothing I, I love rocking it i actually have your hoodie right by me <laughs> um so how did you become interested in urban streetwear um well i i don't know i mean i love i love cool art on clothes um in a way it's for me it's kind of like an art hack <laughs> because I feel like people, even people who 
um, appreciate art. Uh, more of those people will buy cool art clothing than will buy art for their walls. And um, because my purpose with art is um, so values driven, and um, you know, it's for me being an artist is much more about um, trying to create a narrative that uh, helps people than it is about creating um, just uh, pure aesthetic images. So. I feel like streetwear uh, really is like a, like a no-brainer tool for me to use in that regard where I can appeal to more people through my art and create more conversations around things and then hopefully put my work in front of more people's eyes by you know offering it on clothing and uh, creating you know, a, a, a vibe in that way. So we'll see. It's definitely, it's definitely something I put off for a long time, but also something that once I've started doing it feels completely natural and, um, super rewarding. And uh, I just created a video with, uh, one of my local Philly homies yesterday. You'll see it on my Instagram page. Uh, he's doing a boxing match to help fight cancer. And we cre recreated the Rocky montage and uh, used my track, track suit and track, yeah, track suit and t shirt as wardrobe for him. And uh, I don't know, it's just it's cool. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't <laughs> explain it any other way. I think that that's wonderful. And I'm really glad that you started doing that um because like i said you really do have a great um visual aesthetic and vibe and it goes just perfectly with the urban wear thanks you know and i was thinking like once i started with making digital artwork you know if you're painting on canvases it's much harder to transfer um those images you know onto clothing but if you're creating artwork digitally it's sort of like why not do that? You know, uh, everything is there for you. So why not try it? Yeah. A hundred percent, man. And yeah, this, this looks dope, man. Yeah. Just looking at the thing that, uh, the windbreaker that Jennifer posted, it looks great. Thank you. It's like your art really, really plays well to the, to that, to that kind of streetwear, man. It looks so cool. Thank you so much. And, uh, so I know we got Sarkis on, sorry to keep you waiting there a little bit, uh, Sarkis, but thank you for requesting and, and coming up Man, I always love having you on the spaces. Uh, how you doing today? Hey, Giancarlo, Jennifer, Jason, Alyssa, I see every, all of you down there as well. Um, yeah, no worries on the way. I've, I've just been listening and really enjoying getting to know Jason more and, um, you know, definitely resonate with a lot of the things he said. I feel like we share so much in common with a lot of artists in here and uh, we all have like a positive message and an impact that we want to make in this world. And it's just beautiful to see like, we're, you know, all of us coming together in these spaces and expressing that and sharing that like mission together. So I just want to come up and say what's up. Uh, also, like I just wanted to share yesterday, um, I went to this event. Um, I was invited uh day before that by the the um, organizer of the event to to come by 
they gave me free tickets and everything. And uh, it was called Art Battle. And at first I was like, um, is it like an art competition? Like, I don't know if we should be competing and all of this, like these thoughts. And then I was like, but it's still artists. I don't think they're actually like competing, competing. They're they're still like on, on stage and like, you know, they're together. And I think it's going to be fun. So I went for it. And I'm glad I did because it was awesome. It was such great vibes. It was not like competitive vibes at all. Um, and I connected with a with a bunch of artists there and the organizer. And I think I'm going to be doing uh, participating the, on the next one as well. So I don't know if any of you are in uh, New York. Uh, check out Art Battle. I think April 14th uh, is the next one. I'm going to sign up for it. If you want to sign up for it, you should do that too. Um, uh, it was just really great, like IRL art vibes. And, um, apparently it's been going on for like 20 years. Um, and it's like an underground, uh, scene, uh, that goes on all over the, um, the U S it's not only in New York either. So it's probably happening in your state. Um, and yeah, I just want to share that. I, I, I really resonated with one of the artists over there and, as she was painting and dancing and she got into a flow state, I was just like, that's the one. And the cool part is like when everyone, when they're painting, you can just like, when they're done, you can vote with your phone. And um, they have like the system where you can vote and um, you could also place bids like an auction um, until the end of the, uh, the event. And I really thought that was just a great concept and great idea. Maybe we can do that in the digital space, in the Web3 space, um, you know, where, where we all like paint together and, and auction out the pieces at the end. And I just, I just thought it was a dope idea. I wanted to share it. Um, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's an awesome thing. And unfortunately, I'm not in New York, but I'm going to see if there's something done in Florida, <laughs> something similar like that, because that's a, that's a cool idea. And I like your, your idea about like trying to do that virtually. Like maybe we could do, um, my head's going with this because we've been, you know, today just playing around with like this, you know, streaming tools, right? That like to do, um, like live streams. Like maybe we could set up like something to do like a live stream. You get like, you know, several artists, whoever's interested and wants to do it and just all, you know, create stuff and then mint it. And yeah, I mean, that, that sounds pretty freaking cool, man. Yeah, I think it would be dope. Honestly, I, I started doing this like live painting with other artists stuff uh, years ago, like a couple, a few years ago when uh, the pandemic started, because I like doing performance, like live painting, and I couldn't do it outside. So I was just doing it um, on the internet. I used Instagram Live. I would just paint with another artist, paint together. I showed Jennifer a bunch of them. And, um, and yeah, like I, I made it like, uh, a regular thing so i want to bring those back i want to collaborate with more artists drained eye like for sure um um yeah and i also bought i won uh the auction yesterday for the piece that i really love from that artist so i'm excited about that um i love uh collecting art that i really love and and resonate with so yeah that's so cool uh, thanks for coming up, Sarkis. I've been sort of like low key hanging out in your spaces and everything too. And I agree. I feel like uh, we definitely are future friends <laughs> and be uh, looking forward to getting to know you better as well. For sure. I agree. Likewise. I noticed that the both of you do the third eye in the forehead. 
Um, I've been thinking about it actually for a few weeks and I was like, wow, look at that. What a similarity. So yeah, and it's funny because Sargus did mention you know a lot of a lot of similarities with uh, Drain Dice story and art. You know, so that's cool. And I saw you. I did want to mention I saw your uh, the six skull travelers you painted and shared in the comments. I thought that would look pretty cool. And I see the third eye <laughs> as well. Yeah, we definitely share that. And thank you. Um, it I was listening while I was listening to the story of the missing child and and painting painting and crying and like really connecting with that person like i felt that because i always paint and draw everywhere i go and um i connect with people and uh, you know the third eye we share that for a reason like we both um are in tuned with with the spirit you know and um i just think it, it, it's it's just really dope to see other artists other people who are who are on the same um wavelength yeah Thank you, man. I, I just checked out those uh, those skulls. Those are cool. <laughs> Your skull travelers. Anyway, thank you for having me up. I really appreciate it, and um, it's always great to see you guys. I have to I have to go. Um, just want to say bye. Thank you. All right, thank you, Circus. Hopefully, we will uh, spend some time in New York in April for NFT NYC. Looking forward to that. For sure. I look forward to it. Look forward to like hanging out with all of you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarkis, for, for coming up. Appreciate it. Always love uh, hearing from you. And yeah, hopefully uh, get a chance to, to hang out at some point soon. And um, yeah, apologies again also to David. Yeah, we, we've, you know, like uh, Jenny mentioned, just had a lot of issues with Twitter and even even our, our space Wednesday, you know, we couldn't even get our, our guest speaker up because it just wasn't cooperating. So that's why we're also looking at backup options you know to to still be able to to have the interviews that maybe aren't just dependent on the on the platform because uh, unfortunately just isn't always cooperating but uh man it's been uh, an absolute pleasure you know having you on here jason uh learning a little bit more about your story your artwork your style the beautiful message you know that that, that you support around you know transparency and um, and positivity, man. So it's just been, it's been really nice talking to you, learning more about you. And, and also again, thank you so much for the, um, the skull interview as well. I, I just, you know, I'm blown away by how beautiful that, that skull turned out, man. So it's been, it's been just absolute pleasure having you here. Yeah, it was, it was so much fun to do that. And it's such an honor to be on here with you and Jen. And thanks for asking me all the deep questions and giving me time to, uh, you know, explore the answers, uh, you know, in a way that I don't think I've done before. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was talking to my friend Cam uh, before the interview and, um, you know, it occurred to me that I, I kind of have like a canned uh, response that I'm used to giving, but that there is a little bit more information. So I, I was um, grateful to be able to get into those extra details today and have the time to do that. So thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. Much love. Yeah, much love, man. And uh, thank you to everyone that tuned into the space today. You know, appreciate all of you here listening. Sarkis, also you for, for joining and coming up. Bye, everyone. Have a beautiful day. Bye, everyone. <laughs>